Welcome to Cocktails and Capital, the working on your business podcast that feels more like grabbing a drink with your best friend. I'm your host, Sarah Tatum, that best friend. I'm the owner of Tatum Accounting, where we invite our clients to take a vacation from their bookkeeping. In this podcast, I'm going to give it to you straight. Talking points and vague tips, we don't do that here. There's a bunch of noise out there in the entrepreneur community, especially when it relates to finances. And when you're trying to run your business, you just don't have time for that. And I know that you would rather be doing literally anything other than recording expenses and logging into your accounting software. So I'm bringing you practical advice without any of the fluff, just like your best friend would. So turn the volume up, grab your gin and tonic, and let's dive into this week's theme. Are you ready to take a vacation from your bookkeeping? But your business is not quite there yet. At Tatum Accounting, we have plans that scale with your business, making them affordable at every stage. For the business owner who needs help with their accounting, but maybe is not ready to completely outsource their books, check out our new Office Hours package. With Office Hours, you get access to our private Facebook group filled with educational resources, webinars, and tools to make managing your books so much easier. The best part? Private, weekly, one-on-one support. Jump on weekly calls with an accountant to discuss anything and everything. Pricing, expenses, QuickBooks, we're here to get your questions answered. For just $150 a month, sign up for our office hours by visiting tatumaccounting.com forward slash office dash hours, or visit our show notes for the link. Now let's get back to the episode. Hello and welcome to episode 24 of Cocktails and Capital. Today we are doing some more year-end prep. It is the middle of December. We are ready for 2023, or at least I am. I am ready for 2022 to leave (laughs) and for us to get started with 2023. We have some big plans here at Tatum Accounting. I've got big plans for Cocktails and Capital. And I can't wait to share those plans with you in 2023, but we got to get there first. Uh, The other things we got to do first are some big accounting tasks for 2022. So we want to close out 2022, get that all wrapped up and give us a fresh start for 2023. So today I kind of want to talk about some of the very big points that need to be done on your 2022 books. Um, And then we will uh, start prepping for new episodes in the new year, all about how you can make the most out of that fresh set of clean books um, and get the most out of your numbers for next year. So now you're probably thinking to yourself, why do I have to do anything different for year end that I don't already do at month end? Or you might be thinking, crap, I haven't done any of my month end for the entire year of 2022. And now it's catching up to me. So let's First, let's talk about why year end is different than month end. And then at the end, I will give you some tips on how to catch up um, in a more efficient way so that you're not nearly as stressed by the weight of year end bookkeeping. Year end bookkeeping is different from month end bookkeeping in a couple of different ways. So first of all, we've gone over it so many times in the last couple of weeks, but 1099s are a huge factor in your year end bookkeeping. The biggest thing that you want to make sure that you have is, again, all of your W-9s. You want to check and see who is going to get a 1099. So pop quiz, who's going to get a 1099? Anybody who was paid more than $600 for services by you. So 
not materials, services, more than $600. That includes attorneys. Um, so make sure if you did get a contract reviewed by an attorney that you are getting a W-9 for them. Um, or if you got any other sort of legal work performed by an attorney, you are going to send them a 1099 NEC for 2022 by January 31st of 2023. So it's super important that you have your expenses reviewed, you've reviewed your vendors, you make sure you have all of your W-9s and that you're ready to go. So beginning of January, you can go ahead and process all of those 1099s and you're not struggling on the 28th or the 31st of January trying to push those through when the systems are slower and things take a lot longer than they would at the beginning of January. So make sure you're prepped now uh, compared to the end of or beginning of January. The other thing that makes year-end a little bit different is the budgeting for the new year. Your cash flow review, your cash flow forecasting, your profit forecasting. So much forecasting goes into your year-end closing versus your month-end closing. Of course, you can do forecasting on a monthly basis, a quarterly basis, and you should. You should be keeping up with it more often than not. But at the bare, bare minimum, we're going to do this on a yearly basis at the end of the year when we have all of our numbers and everything is good to go. The other thing that makes year-end a little bit different is that your final estimated tax payment is actually due by January 15th of 2023. So if you have totaled up all of your quarterly estimated tax payments for the year and you're doing your calculations and suddenly you notice this huge deficit based on the huge uptick in sales that you had October through December, you are going to have to make an additional higher estimated tax payment for January than you would have for April, June, and September. So that's the other thing that you want to keep in mind is Throughout the year, you might have been paying estimated federal tax payments or state tax payments based on your prior year numbers, um, and that's totally fine. But as you're going on through the year, you want to make adjustments based on the amount of net income that you currently have at a given month. Year-end is a great time to do that, and it's important because otherwise you might end up with an underpayment penalty on your taxes, which is definitely something that we want to avoid. So if you're at any point reviewing your numbers and you have any doubts whether you've paid enough estimated taxes or you should be paying estimated taxes and you just don't know, reach out to somebody who can help you figure that out, please. <laughs> so another question you might have on your mind is, do I need to hire somebody to help me do this year in closing? And I'm going to be completely honest with you. You probably don't. If you are a smaller company, and you have just started, maybe you're just looking into getting your numbers uh, categorized and everything's reconciled and your P&L is done, you give it to your tax preparer, you're good to go. You might not need somebody to advise you during this process or to make sure that you're getting all of your deductions and things like that because maybe you don't have a lot, maybe you can't afford it, and that's totally fine. However, if you want somebody who can help you analyze your numbers, who can help you make sure everything is done correctly, make sure you're not missing out on any tax deductions, et cetera, et cetera, you might want to look into hiring somebody to help you do that year-end work. Um, I will tell you a small industry secret. Uh, people typically charge more for year-end catch-up work in the new year, in the first three months, because we're so busy. We're trying to get taxes done. We're trying to get everybody's books closed out. And so it's more of an emergency thing for you. Um, if you engage in the new quarter, 
versus engaging now um, or even engaging for a full year contract, you could save a lot of money if you maintain a continuous bookkeeping relationship with an accountant versus doing it just once a year. So what do we want to make sure that we have done before we move into 2023? So one of the things that we want to make sure we have done is finding any of those transactions that you may have paid for on your personal card and they were for business expenses. Now I know I've told you all a hundred, hundred times that you should separate your personal and your business transactions. And I, that has not changed. I'm talking to my startups, my people who occasionally make a business purchase on a personal card. You forgot your card and you just had to pay for something and you needed your personal card to pay for it because you forgot your business card. That's totally understandable. First of all, keep your receipts for these. Second of all, the way that we're going to enter these is we're going to put those in as an owner contribution and you're going to put it against the expense that you paid for. Um, these are typically done with journal entries. I would highly advise you to consult with somebody so you can make sure that these journal entries are done correctly. Um, this is a little bit more of a trickier area of bookkeeping if you're doing a DIY situation. So make sure that you consult with somebody who can either check that your entries are correct or just do these entries for you. Now, this is not me telling you to use your personal card whenever you want and then record these things in your QuickBooks file. Do not misunderstand this as a permission to do that. This is literally just, if you have forgotten your, your business card and you have to use your personal card, if something misdebited on your personal, like on an online transaction and you meant to use your business card, small, small things, totally understandable, but do not make it a habit to think that you can use your personal card and just enter those business transactions into your QuickBooks file. This is still a area that the IRS will look for when they're auditing to see if you're, you're piercing that corporate veil. So definitely still keep your transactions separated, but anything that may have slipped, you do want to enter that into your QuickBooks file and make sure that your expenses are properly stated. The other thing that you want to start getting together for your year end close are your home office expenses. If you have a home office and it meets the requirements for the home office deduction, there is a highlight on our Instagram about the home office deduction and what the qualifications are. If you have met those qualifications and you want to get that deduction, take a look and see if on your previous return, you have either used the simplified deduction or the actual deduction. Now the simplified deduction, you get a specific dollar amount per square footage of your office up to 300 square feet. There's a whole lot more that goes into that, but again, simplified version. The actual expense version, you're going to take your mortgage or your rent, you're gonna take your utilities, uh, interest on your mortgage, you're going to take um, pretty much anything else that goes into the home aspect of your office, and you're going to take those expenses, add them up, and you're gonna allocate a percentage of those expenses to your home office deduction based on the square foot percentage that your home office takes up compared to the rest of your house. That's a long-winded way of saying that, um, but either way, if you're taking the actual expense method, collect those expenses, start getting them ready so that your tax preparer can enter them into the um, return for you. Now, the caveat with a home office deduction and why I tell you to look at your previous return 
is because once you have designated a method for the home office deduction, you have to stick with that method forever as it pertains to this business. So for me personally, as an example, I use the simplified version. So I just take the $5 allotted to me based on the square footage of this office, and that's my home office deduction. If I wanted to switch to the actual expense method, I would have to file a form 3115 requesting the IRS to approve my change. It's a whole process and it's really just not worth it for me. So if you have previously taken the simplified version or your preparer has taken the simplified version, then going forward, you would have to take the simplified unless you filed the 3115. If you've taken the actual, then going forward, you're going to continue to take the actual. So that's the home office expense deduction in a very, very short nutshell. But like I said, we do have a highlight reel on our Instagram about the home office deduction from last year or earlier this year, I guess would be the better way to say that. The other thing that I want you guys to look for when you're doing your year in close are any transactions that might be listed in suspense or in ask my accountant. QuickBooks has the Ask My Accountant category. Um, it is very much a catch-all for transactions that you just don't know where they go. Now, what I want you guys to do is look at that account. If there's anything in there, pull a report of that account, put it in Excel, and do some research on those transactions. Figure out where all those transactions are supposed to go because there is not a deduction category for Ask My Accountant or Suspense. Everything has to go somewhere. You have to have a backup for everything. If you're unsure of where something might go, please reach out to somebody who can help you figure that out. Along that same line of suspense and ask my accountant is making sure that all your transactions are properly recorded and categorized. Now we talked about this at the beginning of the episode, but this is super important because again, you want to make sure that your income is properly stated and that you don't have expenses listed under income or income categorized to expenses. Um, and that your sales tax has been broken out of your income if you have sales tax. Sales tax is not deductible on your return, and neither are certain payroll taxes. So we want to make sure that all of that has been broken out so that way we can get an accurate number and that your income is accurately stated for your business return. This is super, super important. Um, the number that you use for your gross income is going to affect everything like your net income, which is going to affect your adjusted gross income, your taxable income, your self-employment tax and your self-employment tax deduction, and so many other things. So we want to make sure that we have all of that categorized correctly so that way we can accurately do your tax return and also plan accurately for next year. We want to make adjustments. We want to project our revenue. So all of that has to be accurately coded. The reason that we then do the bank reconciliations is so that way we can make sure that we're not missing anything that went into the bank or out of the bank. We can catch any fraud transactions. That's much easier to do if you're doing your reconciliations on a monthly basis, but if at the very least you're going to do them yearly, it does help you with that too. The other thing that the bank reconciliation helps with is just keeping you on track. It just helps you be a little more accountable on a monthly basis. When you get the email that your bank statement is ready, go ahead, print it out, save it to Adobe. I did not know. I don't care what you do with it, but print it out, uh, reconcile your bank account, and cool, we're done. Call it a day. That's your monthly bookkeeping. If that's all you guys do, your transaction categorization and your monthly bank rec, that is 
the best stepping stone to starting to analyze your numbers, making sure things are good to go for the year and that you're able to review your net income accurately and your cash flow accurately. And those are the things that we want to do, right? The last thing I want to touch on for a year in closing task is to make sure your balance sheet has the correct ending balances as of 1231. Now, what I mean by that is when you reconcile those bank accounts, they're going to show up under your assets on your balance sheet, right? At 1231, those asset accounts for your checking, your savings account, etc., they should have the exact same balance as your ending balance on your bank statement unless you have any outstanding checks or outstanding deposits at 1231 that will affect your balance. But when you reconcile that account, you're going to get a reconciliation report. That reconciliation report is going to tie out to that ending balance and it is going to show you any unclear transactions at the end of the year. As long as those unclear transactions are accurate and correct and they belong there, then that balance that's on your balance sheet will be correct. The same thing goes for your liabilities. Now for liabilities, I mean things like credit cards, um, any equipment that you might be paying for, uh, loans. You should get a year-end statement for all of those things as well, and you're gonna verify that those balances are correct. If they're not, I'm gonna tell you that the number one thing that will throw you off is your interest versus your principal on your payments. So make sure that when you're booking your payments to your loans, your liabilities, um, credit cards, any of those things that you are splitting the payment up between the principal going to the actual loan and to the interest expense. So that's my, that's my big accounting tip for this episode <laughs> of if anything, if you guys take anything from this, split your loan payments up. It'll help you tremendously. Now I promised you some tips on how to make this super efficient and super quick for you guys to do if you haven't done anything for the year. Again, first thing that we're going to do is we are going to check all of our transactions that might be outstanding. If you're using QuickBooks, there's a really great tool um, for you to do a uh, kind of quick review. If you go into your into your um, profit and loss, if you're using that Ask My Accountant uh, category or the Suspense category, click on the uh, number next to that account in your profit and loss and it will bring up a detail of every transaction that is in that category. And this is what I want you to either print out or move it over to Excel so you can do the research on those transactions. I know for some of you this might have three transactions tied to it. It might have 300 transactions tied to it. And I am genuinely sorry if it has the latter. But this is a super, super important account to clear up. We do not want anything sitting in there for year end. If you do find that you have a ton of transactions in there, reach out to somebody like us who can help get that cleared up as soon as possible so that way you have an accurate tax return going forward. The other thing that we're going to do is we're going to do a big bank reconciliation. So we can do every single month super quickly as long as that account is cleared out. When you reconcile that bank account, QuickBooks will, if you're using QuickBooks again, but QuickBooks will automatically check off anything that has been matched from the bank feed. So as long as you don't have anything double entered or any transactions that maybe didn't get entered at all or some that just don't belong there, your bank recs should actually be pretty simple. However, again, if you run into a bank rec where you just open it and you're like, I have no idea what I'm doing here. <laughs> There's so much going on in here please reach out to somebody who can help you. It's going to be so much more helpful for you in the long run 
to have help than to try to push through something and either abandon it because it's too hard when it's something so important or um, to just get frustrated with it and start adding things to different uh, places where they really shouldn't be going. Now, if you have done some bank reconciliations throughout the year, this will actually be super easy for you. Um, you can just pick up, pick up exactly where you left off. Your asset and liability balances should be able to tie out super easily. But my people who need to catch up on their year end, start with the transactions and make sure that they're all categorized correctly. I hope you guys found this episode super helpful. I hope it's going to help you in preparing for 2023. And I can't wait to start 2023 with you guys. It's going to be such a great year and I am uh, super thrilled. So this is the last episode that you'll be listening to while I'm still in the States. I will be going to Europe on Sunday, the 18th. Um, so four days after this is broadcasted, I guess is the word. So everything else from here on is going to be pre-recorded, and I uh, am going to start getting into some of the 2023 big plans and things that you guys can do in 2023 to help your business. So super exciting. If you guys want to follow my adventures in Europe, please go over to our Instagram and follow. Um, I'll be posting so many things from over there, um, and I can't wait to share those things with you guys. Um, but otherwise, if you enjoyed this podcast episode, please feel free to rate and give it five stars. If you didn't like it, please don't leave a review. Uh, <laughs> just send me an email and let me know. Um, I'm happy to take your criticism and your feedback. But uh, please like the podcast, review, subscribe, whatever you'd like to do. Feel free to stalk me on Instagram, Facebook, wherever you'd like. Um, I am so thrilled that you guys are here listening, and I genuinely appreciate all of you. So thank you, and I will talk to you guys soon. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to subscribe and follow Tatum Accounting on Instagram. You can also do us a huge favor by leaving a review. It's the best way to support us. Let's catch up next week, same time, same place.